Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the number one dog training podcast with your boy. I don't mean that seriously. Abby, my videographer, always says that. She always does this impression. What's going on, guys? It's your boy, Tommy D, coming at you live, just like cheesy YouTuber, cringy stuff. Anyway, um, welcome back to the No Bad Dogs podcast. Uh, this is an excellent podcast. We're getting really good phone consults. And just so you guys know, the people that I'm talking to outside of guests are people who sign up for my online consulting service. So if you wanted to have a one-on-one -on -one chat with me, you can and you sign up for it. And that's what these are, just so you know. So these are actually real clients with real problems and I help navigate them through. I don't post every single one of them. A, because sometimes it's a privacy issue and it's like a bad situation and it just doesn't, it's not, it's cringy. And then the other times are is when it's just, it doesn't, it's not going to be super beneficial. So I only put out the ones that I know that I've hit home on and it's going to be good for you guys. And this is one of those ones. This is, uh, again, it's like another dog owner. Basically right in the beginning is we let the dog do whatever they want. Um, they're 120 pounds and now they are a nightmare. And so how do we rewind? How do we reset? How do we work on a dog that's trying to pick my pockets and not listen to me? And it's just a really interesting, there's things that I say in this podcast that we've never touched on before in a different way. So, um, Anyway, at the end of the podcast, I'll be answering three of your dog training questions as listeners. So if you have questions for me, I'll answer them at the end of the podcast. All you have to do is head over to the iTunes review chart, leave a review and your question in the review. Um, I'm going to tell you guys again, I'm coming to the UK next month in September. I'm really excited. We have a uh, level up program where there's one ticket left. And you guys can have snacks and hors d'oeuvres with me before my seminar on Friday night. And we can go over everything from dog training to business to life. Um, tickets are in the link below. And we also have tickets for working spots where you bring your dog to me. And we also have audit spots where you come and watch. And we're really excited to get back over there. It's always life-changing and groundbreaking. And there's blood, sweat, and tears that goes into it. My friend Will Atherton is going to be there as well, helping me out and doing a little Q&A as well. So I'm excited to team up with him and come over to the UK. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Always is. I'm so blessed and grateful to be able to do that for a living. And I can't wait to see you guys and hang out with you all weekend and get some shite done. Um, enjoy the podcast. And I'll talk to you at the end. Tom? Yeah. Good morning. Good morning. Hi, this is Toby. Hey, Toby. Nice to meet you. Yeah, nice to meet you, too. What's going on? Well, uh, let's see. I'm not sure where to start, but um, I have a three-year-old American bully, and um, she's the problem. I also have a, uh, a nine-year-old American bully. He's a model citizen. <laughs> um but the three-year-old uh, girl, she's an XL, so she's a big girl. She's about 120 pounds. And um, we got her as a puppy. I think we got her too young. I don't think she ever learned basic um, uh, manners from her mom. And um, she's kind of been a problem ever since she's been a puppy. It wasn't such a big deal when she was little, but now she's a big dog, and it's a pain in the butt. She... Um, so here, here's what I think she has going on. I want to try to avoid uh, self-diagnosing her, but I think she's got some really bad anxiety, um, really bad uh, separation anxiety with me. And she um, she had bad leash manners. She um, she pretty much disobedient other than when she feels like it. Um, she's a very loving dog. She's, she's a good dog, I mean, generally. But... Um, 
the the big things the separation anxiety she uh she just about uh, actually she has bit me several times while i'm trying to leave mm. uh, leave the house she gets between me and the door and jumps up and um she, she feels like she tries to grab whatever is in my hand um or whatever is in my in you know i'm like if I have a sweatshirt under tucked under my arm or something like that, mm-hmm. she jumps up and tries to get it. And since she ends up getting me with her front teeth, her little ones, um, which on a 120 pound dog, I'm sure you're aware, still hurts. <laughs> yeah. So it it sounds like there's a, a lack of basics, uh, basic obedience, basic training. So did you start any training at all with her? Yeah, we did. We we had worked with a trainer with the uh, the nine year old, and uh, it went really well. So we thought we were going to roll right into her when we had her as a puppy, but she didn't respond well to anything that I knew how to do. Um, and then so we went back to the trainer, and she really didn't respond well to anything he had to do. Um, we tried every when we when she was a puppy, um, I would take her to uh, pack walks, and um, you know I'd be standing there talking to the to the trainer and uh while she's sitting there at my feet kind of sitting down and she'd get real anxious and i I guess i didn't recognize it at the time and uh she'd jump up and bite me like on the chest with her front teeth um so after a bunch of stuff like that it got to the point where it was when she was a puppy i couldn't even put a leash on her okay Um, probably for the last uh two years she's been allowed me to put a leash on her but then she's wild like she'll I'll put a leash on her and she'll drag me all the way out to the front street before she kind of, I can put my brakes on and get her slowed down. Yep. Yeah. To me, it, it sounds exactly like uh basics. That's exactly what this sounds like. And it's like, uh, you know, like anything else, it'll spiral out of control if you don't catch it. And so I think in the beginning, that's what happened is you were doing stuff that didn't, wasn't really applicable to your dog. The training didn't, match with your dog your dog's needs your dog's whatever the case is but because that's what it sounds like is a really bratty just i'm gonna do what i want to do dog and that's that's what i'm hearing is 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 all that um Mm -hmm. so when she jumps up you know obviously making sure that when you say hey off or leave it that matters to her which right now it doesn't uh when you go out on a leash and she decides to pull you and drag you and let you know, hey, I'll let you know when I'm ready to walk at your pace. That's basics. That's basic obedience. That's also basic control. And then, you know, the the nipping and the mouthing is the same thing. It's basics relationship. It's like it, it's it's like a dog kind of throwing a little tantrum of like I don't. It's like when I put my son in his his uh, car seat or the stroller. He just arches his back and he's like, I don't want to go anywhere. So it's just like, yeah. do you have? the capacity mentally and then in your case physically to really handle that. And that's, that's where that comes down to is just the mouthing of like, Hey, get out of here. I don't want this, you know, uh, don't put this leash on me. I'm just going to do my own thing. And then when you do get outside, it's like, and you just get dragged or, you know, Mm -hmm. pulled or yanked or whatever. So that, that's all, that all falls under that, uh, basic obedience principles and, Obviously, once the dog is, you know, she's three now and she's big. And so it's just harder. And that's exactly, yeah. you know, what you know. You're like, hey. Because sure. a- all that, uh, I'm sorry, Tom, I don't want to interrupt you, but I just want to make sure that we're, uh, yeah, we're yeah. on the same page. Yeah. Um, what she does is her eyes are like biggest saucers. 
mm-hmm. um, from the anxiety. Does that all jive? Yeah, um, it, it's hard to say. I mean, there's dogs that I've seen that have bigger eyes because of genetics. I've seen dogs get bigger eyes because they're scared. I've seen bigger eyes because they're nervous. I've seen eyes because it could be anxiousness. I mean, they definitely tell they tell us information for sure. But what you just told me has nothing to do with anxiety at all. So um, we could talk about that. But anxiety is, you know, and I talk about this often because a lot of people struggle with it. Anxiety is typically a, a product or a byproduct of the lack of what we're talking about. If you don't have good relationship with your dog and you don't have control with your dog, your dog will have anxiety very likely because they don't, what are they going to do? You're basically like, Hey, live your life. They're like, well, how do I live it? You're like, I don't know, figure it out. And they're like, well, shit. And they get anxiety. So that's exactly, you know, it's like sticking somebody in the middle of New York city. That's never been there and says, Hey, you know, figure it out. And their, their eyes are going to get big. They're going to start pacing. They're going to start biting their lip. They're going to start breathing different. What the hell? What is this? What do I do? Who are you? Where do I go? So yeah, that's exactly so bad sometimes that her teeth chatter. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, so that's what I'm saying is that, you know, anxiety is, unless it's genetics and trauma anxiety for mm, 75% of the clients that I've worked with have been a product of exactly what we're talking. So the first, you know, when you're explaining all this to me, I'm like, okay, basic obedience, basic relationship. And then the, again, the product of that by the grass is green, the sky's blue is typically and historically has been anxiety. Okay. So once you start reversing the roles a little bit, and you start building up those two things, uh, the anxiety should go away uh, and or decrease. So how um, when you say that you did the training when she was a puppy or when she was younger, the, the trainer, it didn't work for them. What was that? What, is it, what was that like? Well, he kind of, you know, she was – pretty bad right from the beginning she was very reactive to the leash you know jumping up and spinning all around and stuff like that um it kind of got her used to the leash but the the trainer we were working at the time kind of gave me the impression like you got to kind of show her who's boss you know and every time i tried that she just came back worse she you know every like we tried a pinch collar we tried slip leads we tried all kinds of stuff and um she would bite me a lot of times when I tried to put a, a lead on her. What um, age, what age did you start that training? I want to say it was about five months. Okay. The reason why I'm asking is because a lot of times dogs who act that way are again, dogs who it's like uh, breaking a Mustang wild horse. It's like, they've never felt that they've never felt that equipment before. They've never felt, so typic so basically what I'm saying is is when you get a dog that's never been trained before meaning we, okay we're going to put a leash we're going to put a collar on you we're going to we're going to slow you got to slow down when I I'm not talking about corrections I'm not talking about you know what equipment we're using we're just talking about you put a leash and a collar on a dog and they fight you tooth and nail they alligator roll they jump up in the air they they freak out and it, some of it is panic and and some of it is also like get this shit off me I don't want this so 
that's that's why I was asking is because if you see a, a, a like a brand new puppy, uh, let's say eight to twelve week old puppy, they will do very similar things because they've never had equipment on. So you get a puppy that's never felt pressure from a leash. You get a puppy that's never had a leash on a general. So that's where you're going to get biting the leash, chewing the leash, alligator rolling, jumping up in the air, spinning. Um, all these things happen because the dog's like, get this off me. And if you do it later on in life, which is where I think you started training, because there's two things, because you could be thinking, well, no, I've put a leash and collar on her since she was a puppy, but she was doing all this. Okay, check. But once you start actually training with a dog that's never been trained, it's the same principle of what is this pressure? Why are you, why are you communicating with me this way? Because they've had kind of a free for all their whole life. And so that anyway, so that make that's, that checks out to me. That makes sense. Okay. So from here, um, what would you say your biggest concern is? Like, I know that the anxiety is there and we'll talk about that a little bit, but think about your daily operations with your dog. What is the biggest stress and the biggest problem you're seeing? I think the the separation anxiety, the her not letting me um, leave the house. If I put her in a room, she scratches at the door and destroys it. Um, I, that and then I have a 18 month old daughter. She's been pretty good with her so far, but she it does have some you know, some fear of her. My my older dog is totally good with her, with my daughter, but um, Luna, the three month three year old, is uh, she's good with her. She's never shown any aggression, but a lot of times she leaves the room when she's there, or if she's laying on the couch and my daughter walks up to her, she takes off to the room or something like that. So there's some fear there, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm I'm a little worried about that, and then separation anxiety. Um, there, you know, there's some other things, but I think they're probably all related to what you were saying. Like she, she goes after like I can't wear a hat anywhere around her. She'll jump up and bite it off my head. Hmm. Uh, she she guards toys really really bad. Like I can't really play fetch with her other than if she will finally kind of give me permission to take whatever we're playing with. Mm-hmm. Uh, hmm. Yeah. Uh, with the hose, she goes after the hose. Like if we're walking around trying to water things down or something like that. She mm-hmm. goes after the nozzle. Okay. Um, so I would say, you know, what you said there was a good <laughs> a good indication. And it's like what you said was uh, when she lets us take stuff is is when yeah. we can, you know. And, and so the, that – The relationship's all screwed up, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's just it's, – it's not – I mean, obviously you didn't – I'm not trying to say, oh, the, oh, did you hear what you did? I, I don't – I'm just saying like your mentality no. is like yeah, you – you understand the what's going on. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. I, I just basically told on myself. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, and it's good. It's good. That's that's exactly what I need to hear. Uh, and I and I figured all this, but it's good because some people do. They get into a, they get into this like imprisonment where they're like, okay, I can't leave. I can't use the hose. I can't wear a hat. I can't wear a hoodie. I can't, you know. Yeah. And that's, that's- that's kind of where we're at. You know, yeah. we, um, I've changed my habits because, like, I don't even want to go outside because she causes such a big ruckus. And especially yeah. with my daughter sleeping in the other room, I can't afford to have her barking and whining and stuff every time I go out front or something like that, you know? Yep. So let me tell you what I would do. So usually I'll tell you 
what you should do, but let me tell you what I would do because it might help you streamline things. Like if I just tell you, so it's, this is like, from my experience, this just sounds like a dog that's just getting away with everything. And at a hundred and plus 120 pounds, you know, big dog, that's, this is what happens. I mean, it happens like clockwork. It's, I, you know, with a dog like that, any bully breed, in my opinion, in general, well, to be honest, any dog, like, you should start off training immediately and setting tones, setting boundaries, setting limitations. And what that does is it not only teaches your dog how to behave in life, that's why we teach anybody to do anything it's like hey this is how to walk this is how to write this is how to talk this is how to whatever because you're going to need it and that's the same thing we do with dogs this is how to walk nicely on a leash this is how to sit when i say sit this is how to down this is how to stay all these things we copy and paste not because we want control but it's because we need control and we want the dog to do certain things in our life to be successful so there's that is is with it, especially with a dog like this, the big bully breeds, they're very stubborn as you know. And mm-hmm. it's like they they just have more of a a pushy side and then especially when they're walking around heavier than a grown man, it's like it's tough. Yeah. So Yeah, she she knows she's not a little dog. Yeah. So so what I would be doing is starting to set boundaries and limitations and and oftentimes what people do again is they wait for six months and at six months your dog should be fully trained absolutely fully trained um just again with my experience with working with behavioral cases and all these things it's like don't wait for there to be a problem at six months your dog should be really in good shape and then that way you're done i mean that's i tell people all that i tell this story almost every day when my dog lakota was a puppy she knows everything that she knows now when she was about six months old and I've, I haven't taught her anything new in seven years. I didn't need, I didn't need to. There's no reason she, she's got everything. She gets it. So anyway, I would be, let's, I'm just going to put things into perspective is let's say you come outside of, and and again, I'm, I'm not going to be exact because I don't know exactly, but from what I'm hearing, you come out of a room with something she doesn't like, a hat, sweatshirt, carrying a towel, whatever. She comes up, she's like, give me that. That's mine. Take it off. I want that. And then same thing. You go, okay, fine. You take it off because you don't want to fight this dog. You go outside, you water your plants, and she's like, yep, you know, I want that too. And then it, it just continues to happen. Where And then you go outside, and she's like, I want to go see this tree, or I want to go see this dog. And so what, so what happens at, at scale if you zoom out, it's like, okay, all these little things we can dissect and say, okay, you know, her jumping on you is a problem. Her trying to take your hat off is a problem. Her trying to bite the hose and whatever is a problem and so on and so on and so forth. But the reality is, is you should be able to say, hey, no, we're not doing that. That's, that's not what we do. So again, my game plan would be with a dog this size, I'd be going out with a, a prong collar and a leash and I would go outside and I'd start working on these things. But the first thing that you should do is you should build up this foundational relationship and this, this relationship that matters to the dog. And you can't do like you you could, I guess, go out and say, Hey, here's a hose. Nope. You can't do that. You could totally do that. 
Uh, same thing with jumping. You could put the prong collar on, you could put the leash on, you could walk out with a hat, she jumps up, boom, off. Because the problem right now is there's no enforcement for the things that's happening, which means when she does something that you don't like, or she does something that's dangerous, or she does something that's inappropriate, or she does something that causes her so much mental anxiety that you can't leave the house, which causes her to have a terrible quality of life, she's not get, there's no there's no reason for her not to do that there's no correction there's no punishment there's no accountability there's no telling the dog no she does it and you say okay she does it and you say okay and when i say okay again talking to dog owners you could scream bloody murder you can jump up and down you can until your face is blue you can throw shoes you can do whatever you want but this dog does not care about those things most dogs do not care about those things you might get a sensitive dog to say, oops, sorry, I made a mistake. But generally speaking, they don't care. So you have to be more assertive. And that's why we have all these beautiful training tools to work and communicate with animals. It'd be like trying to work with horses as long as we have with just one piece of rope. It'd be very difficult. There'd be a very small percentage of people that could actually do it. And it would be dangerous. And that's exactly what it's like with dog owners. So that these are the types of things that I would be doing is there's two folds here. There's doing it right in the intervention mode where it's like, we're stopping this right now. Or there's development, principal development, or you can do them both at the same time. So what that means is, again, you could go in, j jump right into it, or you can start developing thresholds. Because what thresholds and impulse control does is it sets a, it sets a bar for you and your dog. So when you say no or off or leave it right now, it, if the dog really, and this goes for really any dog owner, if you have a problem with your dog, if they're not coming back, if they're jumping on guests, if they're barking at guests, if they're pulling on the leash, if they don't know what they're doing is wrong, which means they don't know heel, they don't know off, they don't know down, they don't know come, whatever, that's one part. And then the other part is, is after they've learned it, if there's not accountability in action, which means if if the dog jumps up and you say off and they're like, well, I'm just going to do it again. What are you going to do? And you say, I'm just going to tell you to off again. They're like, yep. Okay. I'm going to keep robbing that bank till that well right. goes dry. And so that account, especially with again, 120 pound dog or even puppies, like puppies are stubborn and pushy and you know, bratty. So, right. so there's that. So those are the two things that you should be really rewiring because again, the external problem that you're seeing outside of a 120 pound dog trying to take your sweatshirt off of you is the anxiety of like, where are you going to go? What do I, what am I going to do? And that, that caught, that's caused from the lack of that leadership. It's not the only thing that causes that, but it's the lack of that leadership where the dog is like, you can't control. This is sometimes what the dog will think is, especially when we see reactive dogs like this is they, they're like, I have to protect you. You don't know what you're doing because you've proven to me that you don't know what you're doing through training and through – like if the dog yeah. can pick on you, they're going to turn around and say, well, you can't live life without me because your dog loves you. There's no question. It's just when they're picking on you and jumping on you and taking advantage of you and they can feel the frustration, they can hear the frustration – and they just push the envelope over and over again. And then when you're like, hey, I'm going to run to the store, they're like, oh, you can't go without me. You don't know what you're doing. And right. that's that's not always the case. I'm just kind of saying that that is a very generalized way yeah, of it make, how it works. It makes sense. We, you know, we, our life was very different when we got the older dog. And I was, 
primarily training him and you know we were very dedicated and stuff and we had when we got her life was you know in turmoil and stuff like that so we weren't able to spend as much time with her so it it does that does make sense you know i wasn't able to be on top of her every move like i was with the older one yeah yeah exactly and that's why that's why i I don't have another dog i haven't had a new puppy in seven years you know and that it's for that reason i could get one but i'm like i don't have enough time you know i don't I don't, so it's, so anyway, it happens. It happens. So, so, so would you start with the basics, like, um, like in the backyard with the, the prong collar and a lead and, and yeah. keeping a heel? Yeah. So think about it. This is really important. Your, your relationship is the biggest contributing factor to all the problems you're having. The anxiety, the jumping, pulling on the leash the disinterest when you want the dog to do something that's all relationship and what that so what does relationship mean when i say in that context that means when you open your mouth and say something to your dog how much have you practiced what you're about to say with this dog and then how much does i don't i don't think respect is the proper word but it just what's it's what comes to mind when you say i think it's um I don't, I don't think it's respect. I think it's just how good is your relationship? If it's like friends where you're like, Hey man, can you, um, my car broke. Can you, can you bring me to work? Or it's like, how good is that relationship? Like, is the dog actually going to be? Yeah, sure. I'll do that. And then, so there, there's that whole, it, it encompasses so much with your relationship and your daily with your dog. So what that means is, is let's say you are eating dinner and a piece of chicken drops on the ground and the dog is like, whoop and goes for it. And you say, no, that no is to me, I'm like, okay, how many times have you used no with the dog in practice, which means, or leave it or whatever. So that's what that means. And if, if the dog is like, I don't know what no means and, or a lot of times dogs are like, I know that I'm not supposed to get this chicken, but we haven't, we don't have a relationship that warrants accountability. So I, so the dog knows that the worst case scenario, if they don't, and this is at scale, not just the chicken. That's why I want you to understand at scale. When the dog wants to do something that they want to do, when you say something, how much weight does that bear? How much does that actually matter to the particular dog? And that's where the whole relationship comes into place because there's part of that of, when a, you know, when a dog wants to do something, you say, no, you can't for your best interest. And they're like, they're either going to say, oh, okay, we've worked on this. We've trained on this. I know that there's accountability for this. I'm not going to do it. Okay, good. Moving on. But if there's, there's also that where dogs are just like, think about it. I mean, if you have a dog and you say to do something, there's levels of obedience. So there's level one, which is basic and beginner on leash. And there's intermediate level two, which is blending into more realistic distractions, but not going completely in, you know, downtown being on leash. And then level three is like your dog will listen to anything that you say. And so there's, there's the development of obedience, which is step one. And then there's development of realistic practicing. So again, if you, it's a confidence too with you. If, if you say, if the dog jumps up and you say off and then they do it again, 
<clears throat> that's where you will hold the dog accountable with a correction. And then that way the dog will take you seriously the next time you say it because that's what's happening in your life right now. So the dog will learn not to jump, but more importantly, the dog will look at you as like somebody who actually follows through with what they say, which is the definition of accountability. So <clears throat> if that if that's happening regularly, when, when your voice says something and it's backed up, that builds a lot of confidence in you. And it also will help the dog understand what is how to behave and how to not behave. So again, if they pull on the leash and you say heel, like what what does your voice bear that weight? Like does it matter to them? And you you see it all the time with parenting. You're you're out in public and then the kid is doing something, let's say knocking over things at the grocery store and their parents are like, "Timmy, knock it off." And they're like, "Ha ha 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 ha." Mm-hmm. That doesn't matter to them. You, no, because yeah, they, they, they've heard their mom yell, but do nothing for their whole life. Exactly. That's it. That's what I'm trying to say. So, yeah. so that's where, so again, here's what I want to, this is perfect. Okay. So this is what I'm, it's hard for me to put these things into perspective, but this is what I'm trying to say. So you get that kid that hears no a hundred times and it doesn't bear any weight and it doesn't matter. And they know that the worst case scenario is, is mom's just going to ask again because she's not holding the kid accountable. She's not going to grab their hand and bringing them to the car. And then they're kicking and screaming and crying. But we're like, hey, you can't, this is not okay. Right? That's not happening. They're just going to say, I told you, I told you, I told you. Or they're going to take out their phone. I'm going to call dad. They're just doing everything they can except being assertive. So mm-hmm. here's the problem. And this is what you're dealing with. Okay? So let's say you're working on basic obedience at home with maybe uh, heal or leave it or sit and stay. So what happens is, is let's say, okay, we pull up to Disney World, we pull up to the amusement park, kid's excited, Timmy's excited, he can't wait. He gets out of the car and just starts sprinting across the parking lot. And that's where mom goes, Timmy, no. And he's like, I don't listen to you. We don't have that relationship. That's exactly what most people have a hard time with with their dogs is in a very small situation, they don't practice. They don't hold the dog. They don't hold the dog accountable at a very small scale. So when they go out in reality, and the dog's running away, the dog is barking at people, the dog is pulling on the leash towards a rabbit, the dog sees a piece of chicken, the dog says, "I want your hat." The dog does because you don't have that basic foundation. It's not going to apply, and the dog knows that. And so, going back to your question, is how do you build confidence overall with the dog? Those are the types of things that matter. When you say, Timmy, stop, and the kid turns around, you know, gets blush in the face and comes running over and says, oops, sorry, <clears throat> that's what you don't have right now. The, the dog is just like doing whatever they want. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. And at that moment, one thing that I want to just point out in general is, you know, when we yell at Timmy, and just using that as a just classic example, or your dog... You do want that stress in that oh shit moment to happen because that's that's where the learning happens. Like punishing your kid for knocking over every cereal box down the aisle is not going to be a reward. <laughs> that's not how yeah. life works. It should be stressful. They should be, oh crap, sorry, I made a mistake. They should be upset about no more TikTok or now you have to put your hand on the cart for the rest, whatever the whatever it is, I don't, I don't know. But the point mm-hmm. is, is that that moment should be aversive to 
what you're trying to teach and should be stressful. And that's, that's the, that's how it goes. I mean, there's, that's, that's how that would work. And so right now, again, like think about going back toward the beginning of our conversation. Well, when we go out for walks, she pulls for the first 15 minutes till she's on her terms. Or if I'm wearing a hat that she doesn't like, she, you know, 120 pound dog is body checking me to take it off my head. If I go out to try to water my freaking flowers, that doesn't work. And so on and so on and so forth. So what you would do is you would practice the basics. So instead of waiting for your, you know, instead of going right into, because the hard part is going to be the hat, the walking, the hose, like those are the bigger triggers that you know of. So what you would do is you would start to scale back and say, okay, we're going to start with the foundation. So I'm going to get your prong on, your leash on. And I say prong just because at a hunt, th- th- this dog is too big for anything else. I mean, that's going to be the safest thing to use. So we're going to use prong, we're going to use leash, and we're going to start off with the basics. So what we're going to do is we're going to go to the, so again, there's a, I always talk about a micro and a macro. So the big picture is, is when you say something to your dog, it matters. If you're at Disney, if you're at the grocery store, if you're at the aquarium, if you're at home, you want your dog to actually listen to you, right? So mm-hmm. when what, but you can't, but again, don't go, don't go jumping into the deep end and say like, okay, we're going to try it with the hose. Cause that's the biggest thing you would say, well, no, 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 you don't have that repertoire with the dog yet. That doesn't exist. So I'll give you an example. Um, two weeks ago, I had a dog in for reactivity. I think they drove from like Georgia or something a long time, 10 hours or something. So it is a big deal for them. I mean, this was like, they really were struggling and the dog was really nice to, to people, but was super reactive to dogs. So they came in, we were in our front room and the dog was barking and barking because he smelled dogs. I mean, he was really reactive. And she was kind of like choking up on the collar and saying, hey, knock it off, knock it off, right? And so it was to a point where I couldn't, we couldn't talk. I'm like, hey, give me the leash. The dog went, rawr, rawr, rawr. I corrected the dog and the dog turned around and looked at me and laid down. And that was it. And they and the two people that were there, they were like, holy shit. So it's also just a matter of you want to help the dog think clearer in situations, but you also don't want to nag the dog. And that's what she was doing. She, her relationship had been nagging for so long that even her corrections, which at the time were poorly timed and not done properly, it it was so redundant to the dog that it was like, just, just give it up. And so I just snapped the collar fast and the dog turned around and looked at me and just laid down. That was it. And so having that accountability in the right moment with the right time is easier said than done. But my point is, is what you would do is you would start at a, at a small scale to make sure the dog understands that there's boundaries. So you go up to your back door, you go up to your side door, anytime, any type of threshold that the dog would assume they're going to go through when they get close to it. Kind of like a automatic door at a airport. They're like, okay. I walk up, this opens, but let's just say for an example, a social experiment that those automatic doors didn't open. The amount of people that would walk face first into it would be large, right? (laughs) Right? So that's what you would do is you'd walk up to that door that the dog is going to think that we're going to exit through. And then what you would do is you would stop, you'd put the dog into a sit, and then you would work on that 
threshold of releasing the dog through that threshold when you say break or okay or whatever you want to use. And what that does is two really big things is <clears throat> first it, it, it works on your obedience where the dog is more obedient. Perfect. We need that. Everyone needs that. I need that. But what it also does is the dog has the assumption or, and, or the dog has the idea of, well, I, I want to go through that door and I normally go through that door, but I can't because the handler's not allowing me to do so. And so that's where your correction comes in because typically what happens is you go to the door, you tell the dog to sit. And even most cases, they're reluctant. They're like, what? No, we're going to, why, why am I sitting? Cause in two seconds I'm walking through that door. So you put the dog into a sit and then the moment you grab the handle of the door, the dog is usually whoop, right up. And these are right. the, these are the little tiny things that you can get granule on where you can. So again, it's like little tiny things. Think about it. Like again, child psychology, human psychology in general, where they're like, you can't have any piece of pizza. And what, what happens is, is when a dog gets up out of that sit during that time is they're just taking, I just want a little piece. I, no, it's not a big deal. I just want a little. And you're like, that's not, the, so that's not the point. The point is, is I said, I'm going to go to the kitchen and get napkins. And I told you not to eat the pizza. And I don't care if you had a one slice of mozzarella or whatever, you disobeyed me. And so the overall principle is, okay, where does that, that doesn't matter as much because it doesn't, but it does because where does it bubble up in other places? One, you know, your so your dog getting up out of a sit isn't detrimental, or a kid taking a tiny piece of cheese isn't detrimental. It's the fact of the matter that you said sit and you said don't touch this, and they're like, yeah, but just a little, and that's where things start to spiral out of control. So you put your dog into a sit, you grab the door, and the the objective and the goal long term is for you to open the door, walk through the door without the dog, and then break the dog through on your terms. So it holds the dog accountable using your leash because it enforces things. Um, and that's a great place to start rewiring things at a very easy pace. And you could do it with any other thing, like, you know, any other threshold. You could do it with the food down. One, And then once you feel comfortable, then what you would is, say. What's that? Is there, a way, is there a way to do it without using the leash? Uh, the mm -hmm. reason I ask is that that's, that's a pretty big trigger for her. So she's already kind of in spastic mode just by putting that on. The answer is yes. The answer is yes. But if this, I'm just, uh, my suggestion is, again, like the micro macro, right? So, so the way that I'm looking at this whole leash thing is you're like, hey, I'm going to put a leash on you so I can teach you things. And the dog's like, don't touch me. Don't put this on me. And it's like, oh, okay, sure. So we'll just do it without the leash. So the, so the leash and the collar is what actually enforces things that the dog cares about. So, so again, you, you say, hey, dog, sit. They go, no. What are you, what, what else? So what are you going to do that the dog is actually going to care about to then put them into a sit? 
right? And you, and you could you could give the dog some body pressure. You can snap your fingers. You can hold up a piece of food. None of those things matter in the real world because once the dog has a big enough distraction because there's nothing going on in your house right now and you said sit and they're like, no, nah, I don't really want to. And you're like, well, I'm going to body you a little bit. And they're like, okay, fine. You're being annoying. That's a that There is no distraction. There is no realistic thing coming in here. So as soon as that happens, the dog's up. And then your accountability goes out the window. So there's that. But the the also thing is, is like having a 120 pound dog that says you can't leash me up is the problem. That's why all of these things are happening. Right. That's the point. So I had a, I had a dog come in last year and <clears throat> I did this, um, I did this, uh, short little like Instagram reel or TikTok with this particular thing, um, because it, people kind of took it the wrong way, but that's okay. That's the internet. But what it was is she was like, she, she so her dog was super aggressive, super reactive, uh, lungy, bite history, the whole nine. And it was very similar. I'm like, you, your dog is walking all over you, which is making your dog insecure, which is making your dog reactive, which is making your dog protective, which is making your dog vulnerable when you hang onto the leash, all the things. And I was like, you can't do this. And I was like, at night, you should crate your dog. And she's like, well, I don't, the crate's uncomfortable. I want the dog in the bed or I want the, and, and I'm like, I'm like, I understand what you want, but what you're doing to your dog is you're killing your dog. Like your dog bites one more person and they're dead. So you finding, you finding emotional discomfort that your dog's in the crate and not in your comfy bed is the problem. That's the whole, right. that's why your dog is the way that your dog is. And so same thing with like what you're saying is, and listen, I, I'm not saying that it's not hard and I'm not saying that it's easy or fun or anything. I'm just saying at the end of the day, like it, you really need to, again, with such a big dog, I mean, the answer is yes, you can certainly do it. But when you, when you go through the, the training process with any dog, the leash is like the very, very first step. So it's like, right. could I go through school without understanding the English language? You could, but it's going to be extremely like very, very hard. Yeah. And and if you're not like the most skilled sign languager in the world, you know, or you're not the best handler in the world around all of that other stuff, it's going to be almost impossible. So I would argue like it's not so much about putting the leash and prong collar on the dog to enforce it. It's the fact that you can't you feel like you can't put the leash on the dog. And that's like, that's where that insecurity is coming from. That's where that relationship is starting to scale down and slide. <clears throat> so I would, again, like if we talk about where do we start with training and you said, well, I can't put a leash on a dog. And I go, we don't, well, then we can't talk about anything. Like the anxiety doesn't matter. The jumping doesn't matter. The hose doesn't matter. The pulling on a leash doesn't matter. The basic obedience doesn't matter. None of that matters because you can't do the very first step. And that's what I would be focusing on and once you break that down and you know break through that then that's when you can you know start start doing these things you could also okay. switch to a <clears throat> you could also switch to like a slip leash which might be easier because it's just a loop and then you just zoop, slide something down but to me and again in my experience it's not so much about what leash you use what collar you use that dog is going to be like don't tell me what to do. Don't put this on me. And you're going to go, okay, sorry. And the dog's like, thank you very much. Go sit down. Give me that hat. Don't water the flowers. Give me that sweatshirt. 
<laughs> I hear you. All right. Um, so I understand what you're saying, and I'm taking that on board. Is there anything I can do in the short term to leave the house without getting bit? Explain to um, me. So let me let me let me let me explain why I'm saying in the short term. Um, me and my wife are we're in the process of selling our house, and we're going to be relocating. Um, and um, so we are seriously contemplating. Um, you know, obviously, I'm going to work with her because we can't keep this going. But I'm seriously contemplating doing your guys' board and train. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's why I, that's the long term plan. <laughs> yeah, that would be helpful for sure. Nice reset. Um, <clears throat> but you know, like I tell everybody, um, <laughs> it's really going to be about you because. And I know that you know this. And and, and listen, the board and train is going to be great. And I'm, I wouldn't try to talk you out of it. I'm just saying when you do the board and train, it, when you drop a dog off to a group of professionals at my facility, and you know this is all they do every day of the week, all day long for years. They just clockwork, just work with these dogs. And so they're so on tune. It's like an athlete. Like they are in conditioned mode. Like they are primed. They're ready to go. So what happens is, is the dog like immediately feels that, you know, like the first thing we would do is if we're like, okay, we're going to leash the dog up and the dog's like, you're not leashing me up. We're like, well, we're not training until we can leash. So we would break that barrier down immediately. We're like, nope, this is how, this is how this is going to go. So my, I guess my point is in short is a lot of times when you have a problem with your dog in your relationship, not, not, not just basic training, because some people come in and their dog and their relationship is actually pretty good, but their obedience sucks. The dog pulls, the dog jumps, the dog doesn't come back, the dog doesn't sit, the dog doesn't stay. That's easy. And the transfer to the owner is easier. But when you have a behavioral problem and a relationship problem, the dog will go, oh, okay, you guys are the strict uncles and aunts and I'm going to listen to you guys and everything's hunky-dory and I'm the best dog ever. But then immediately when it shifts back to the owner, they go right back to... Yeah. If we don't change our behavior, then nothing changes. Nothing changes. Yeah, we just we do that all the time with dogs, where it's like they come in with again anxiety. Um, they can't. They're codependent. They can't live their lives. They're shells of a dog. It's very very hard to see as a professional because like we can see with the blind eye like how messed up the dog is. And when you know we're like, hey, you you need to spend at least an hour to two hours with this on drop offs, so you know what to do, and then you need to follow up because they're free. And our training is guaranteed where it's meaning if anything slides down, it's your fault. Come back in and we'll, we'll get you back up to pace because we mm-hmm. just don't let dogs leave unless they're where they need to be. And so, but we see that all the time where the dog owners go right back. To, it's like getting into the best shape of your life with a personal trainer. And then you're like, okay, thank you so much. It's been a couple months. This is great. I feel good. I look good. Thank you. And then the personal trainer yeah. leaves and then you go back to doing nothing and eating like crap. And then you go right back to where you were. And so you just wasted it. Yeah. I, I, I do that. understand that. You know, we, we worked with that trainer a couple of years ago and, and yeah, I, I get that, that, you know, 90%, of, I, I mean, from what I've seen, a lot of dog training is teaching the owners, not necessarily the dogs. Mm-hmm. And so if, if I'm not there to learn that, then it doesn't make any sense. But, um, yeah, so I, I do get that. Yeah. Um, so, but back to my question in the, in the short term, is there anything I can do to kind of calm her down when she gets into that manic 
mode, you know. My wife says she looks like a shark with her eyes all blacked out and stuff. Well, I think it's just putting the dog into fight or flight almost is when you're trying to get her to do something that she's not comfortable with, like getting her into the car or putting the leash on her or whatever. She goes into panic mode. So, yeah. so because you're just not practicing it enough. Like it's, again, it's like a kid that doesn't want to brush their teeth and you're like, okay, we got, I mean, we have to, this, that, that's to me like exactly what I'm hearing is I'm like, no, 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 you have to do that. Like you, if your 120 pound dog won't let you put the leash on, you're not, you're not going to go anywhere. I can, I promise you that. Like, it's just not going to work. So, so, so again, like if you're like, Hey, we're going to put the leash on you so we can bring you outside for a walk because you need exercise bad you know your mental state of mind is not good we need to walk you and we need to put this prong collar on so you don't choke yourselves out and drag us down the road because you're 120 plus pounds and the dog goes into a panic that's a huge problem that's like your kid going into a panic attack for brushing their teeth at night it's like this shouldn't this is like breathing this should not be this problem so you so that's you have to work through it you have to get creative and consistent to work through these problems. And um, that's where you'll probably see a lot of those panic whale eyeing, like, what do I do? How do I handle this motions? Because it causes stress to the dog, which immediately, and I understand this for sure, when the dog shows signs of stress or you know nervousness, we immediately just pump the brakes. And we're like, oh, what's wrong? And, and to some degree you should. But when you're just simply trying to put a collar on so you can walk your dog, that's where you have to push through. Okay. So instead of trying to put the leash and collar on once a day or once a week or once every three days and the dog having a meltdown, you should be doing it 50 times a day to try to get over these things and also building lots of positive reinforcement involved with training and and all that stuff. Um, So anyway, that's just – I think that that – very panicked state of mind is because the dog isn't being comfortably pushed in these. It's like getting into a cold plunge where they're uncomfortable. And unless you have the mental discipline or you have a coach around you or you to say, Hey, no, 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 just 30 more seconds. You're good. You can do this. You can do this. Like helping you with that. Good job. You're doing great. Positive reinforcement. You're going to feel good after this. This is amazing, but it's uncomfortable. But what happens with most people is they touch one toe in that cold water and they're like, I'm done. You're like, okay, you're done. We'll never do it again. (laughs) When you guys, it's like, we have to put a leash and collar on. Like there is no, because that's the way to communicate. So it's like, my dog has anxiety and she's spiraling out of control and her quality of life isn't great. We also are getting picked on by this 120 pound dog that we can't walk. And the only thing that's going to help you communicate and train with the dog is the leash and collar, but you can't do that. But I'm telling you like, that's where you have to put your focus is you got to break down that barrier. Okay. I hear you. It's the first thing I would do. It would take me a couple days and it would be over and then we'd be on, we'd be on to training. So would you, would you, approach her with the collar and leash and uh, just put it on her and she kind of starts to uh, jump around and run around and everything just let her run around with the collar and leash on until she settles yeah you could there's a couple i mean there's a couple different ways to do it that's why my type of dog training um and what i do is very like i call art formish because it's like 
you know, what 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 kind of solo is Slash going to play tonight on this song? It's like whatever they feel, you know, whatever's right, you know, whatever, you know, whatever feels good. So when you're with the dog, it's like, for me, what I would probably do is the motion of putting something on the dog's neck is probably what's causing the stress because of the, tr- not trauma, but the stress that it's already created, the experiences that the dog has already had that makes that situation uncomfortable. And so I would be doing that first. I would be helping the dog with putting something over their head. So what I would do is, again, get like a slip leash, which basically you can make a big lasso like a like you're a rodeo cowboy, and you just put it on the dog, and then you just walk away. And they're like, okay. you're going to put something around my And then by the time you put it on and walk away, you, the dog's like, what, what? It's you know it's like ripping the bandaid okay. off. It's like hey man, okay. it's already over. You're good. And so I would do that. Like if the dog was in my house, that's what I would do. I would just walk by, boop, but because you can like make it as big or little as you want. Excuse me. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, like tighten it up and spend too much time and mess with it. And like the less is more. Like don't make it a big deal. Play it cool. You slip it on the dog and you walk away because they're gonna be like, we're gonna fight. And by the time they're already like worked up or by the time they realize what just happened, you're 10 feet away from them. And you're like this, because, because for some dogs and I, and I've seen this several times. So this could also be the case when you get a very Huskies are like this. Shebas are like this. When you get a very pushy, uh, stubborn dog and they get away with a bunch of stuff and they do whatever they want to do. And then you basically teach them or you're about to teach them like, Hey, you can't run the show anymore. They are smart enough to realize that the leash and collar is what's going to take away that very unhealthy freedom. And so what they'll do is they'll say like, nah, like I'm not, don't put that on me. And, and that's not good. So they could be fighting you to not work. And that's very common. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, so just putting the putting the leash and collar on and just walking away, and then slowly but surely, putting the leash on, messing with it a little bit, and then walking away. Putting the leash on, messing with it, and then walking away, and just constantly doing that. And again, doing it all day long. So if you're with the dog and you're work, and again, like you, if you and your family are trying to do this, you know, when you're like, oh, you know, rock paper scissoring to go fight the dog. It's it's my point is is if you're only doing it once a week, once a day it's like anything else. How much are you practicing? If you practice more, you'll get better period. So if you're doing things like this and you're messing with the dog's collar and leash several times a day, as much as you possibly can, it's going to get better. And those are the types. And then you would just transition to other collars. You transition to other things. Like you can get the prong collar that buckles. So it just snaps together. Um, Herm Springer makes a snap buckle where you don't have to do the prongs at all because sometimes that's challenging for people, especially when you get a squirrely dog. So you just buckle it in like a, like a car seat and mm-hmm. you do that and you walk away and you just leave it on. You, the leash doesn't have to be attached. It's, it's not the leash, it's the collar because they don't know, they don't know that the leash is on because that doesn't, that's not what's around their neck. What's around their neck is the collar. So they don't, it's not the leash. It's when you snap the collar on, that's where they are going to fight. So I would be snapping these things on and walking away and making it no big deal. And if your dog is food motivated, then I would be paying them with that too. So again, getting creative and just 
trying to do everything, put a lick mat out, get a Kong, get some chicken. Like if you, if, or if you just take a thing of peanut butter and smear it on your floor and have your dog start licking it, you go click, unclick, click, unclick, click, unclick, walk away. No big deal. Done. And the more you do that, the dog is like, oh, this is great. Peanut butter's coming out. Collar's going on. This is amazing. And you just have to do that throughout the day. And then that way, when you click your prong collar on, and then you start leaving it on for longer periods of time, and you start reversing the process. But in this dog's roadmap, it was like, okay, we waited six months to put a leash and collar on and then start correcting the dog for stuff. And they're like, this is a terrible experience. And I'm like, So they hate it. And that's, you know, that's what happens when you try to kind of, um, backwire things where you're going backwards instead of starting from the beginning, you waited until the dog got, you know, huge and there was problems. And then you're like, okay, now this thing's going to control you. When in the beginning, the leash and collar should be your dog's best friend. It should be, this is how we, is that's why my e-collar training, the dogs come flying through the other room when they hear the e-collar because they're like, yes, we're going to go do something amazing not just okay you're you're being really bad and that's where people you know that's why they're illegal in most countries without trainers or good trainers or or educated trainers i should say yeah Um, yeah you're right we have any color but we don't use it because i know that it can if used improperly it's um that's right that's right and that's why they're banned in places so people oh it's banned in my country i'm like that that is a shame like you, you're literally saying out loud that nobody in your country knows how to use these things. And that's nothing to be proud of, but anyway, right. so, so yeah, so that's what you would do is again today, whatever she loves, like a <clears throat> peanut butter, lick mat, chicken treats, and you, and you just kind of slip something over her head and then you just walk away. Cause you don't want her to think like, cause that's dogs are so smart and they're conditioned. Collar means you telling me what I can and can't do. And mm-hmm. that's where a dog like her, and especially at three years old now, she's been she's mm-hmm. been pushing back that long. She knows, you know, how to get away with it. Yeah. So. Um. Real quick, any tips on on having her around my daughter? Um. In what regard? Um. I guess uh, helping her feel more easy or at ease around. Um, my daughter, she seems to be a little bit scared of her. Uh, she, and you said she's 13 months, your daughter? Uh, 18 months. 18 months? Um, yeah. So we're walking, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's it's difficult for me because it's, A, it could be, you know, I don't, it, it could be dangerous or it could not be at all. But I, so if your dog is actively avoiding your daughter you don't want to interfere with that like at all right um because you're to escape right yeah so you're so your dog is like this thing makes me uncomfortable so i'm gonna go away because i find that especially with like my personal dog she doesn't really know i have a he's almost 13 months but a little over a year and he's not walking yet but she's like what the hell is this thing i don't understand like she doesn't know that it's a real human because she loves she loves kids she loves people any kid that can walk around can throw a frisbee so she loves them and my son like can't walk yet so she's like why i don't get it so i just find that 
so my dog does the same thing. She avoids him. She doesn't interact with him. She doesn't really care. Um, so I, I wouldn't do anything different than what you're doing. Um, like if your daughter walks into the picture and your dogs walk away, that's this, that's them telling the whole universe that I'm not going to, I'm going to avoid this situation because this makes me uncomfortable and you're not going to want to do anything with that. It's just going to take time potentially once your daughter gets older and is, you know, more of a human and bigger and taller and your dog might go, Oh, you're one of them. And that might help, but there's nothing that I would like if a dog is avoiding situations because they're uncomfortable, especially socially, you never want to, you know, put, put a flame to that. You just, okay. Right. Great. Cause, cause there's, yeah, yeah. That's the way you want that to go. Very cool. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> um, board and train, anything I should know about that? Um, so like the only thing I would say is just like what I said before is if this is a relationship problem, um, us training your dog is going to help with a lot of the hard, harder work. But again, like if you go home and because even if we, are able to do all the things that you can't do, you still, you still may be at square one the day you come and pick up your dog because it's right. has zero to do with obedience training has zero to do with uh, distractions and other dogs and things like that. The only problem with you and your, or I'm sorry, the only problem with your dog is you. And so right. we see that all the time where people are, they get to this point where they're like, I, I waited too long. Now we're in a big pickle and mm-hmm. the the dog's problem is the owner. So we do all the training, we do everything, and then when you come to pick your dog up, it, it's right back to square one because it has nothing to do with the lack of obedience and it has nothing to do with the lack of training. It has everything to do with how your dog perceives you, and that's where all the problems yeah. are happening. And so it's going to be helpful. It's going to, to help, but I'm just saying, like, if you don't do your homework... Yeah, it's and, not going to be the... It's yeah. not going to be the uh, fix all. I've got to. We better change how we interact with it. Yep. And then the other program that we have is the out of state program with me, which is a three day program, Thursday through Saturday, and that's better for relationship building um, problems because you're you are grinding out the problems with your dog and not me and not other people, and so you go right to the source of the problem, and so you know that's 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 what I always kind of steer people to if it's more of a relationship thing. Um, but you know, there is a beauty in a nice, uh, thing of like, you know, dropping your dog off so you can move and go on vacation and do whatever you want to do. <laughs> so, um, what's the waiting list on the, the trainings right now? I, I noticed that on the website said there was a wait. Um, I don't think we have much of a wait for my out of state program. We just kind of like first come first serve. Um, it's not really like we don't, we only book them out like a month in advance. So we just email people who said that they were interested and whoever takes it, takes it. And then for board and train, I don't think we all, I don't think we have much of a wait right now. Um, we just typically usually do like four months, but we just get to a point in the year where we just take away our waiting list because it's too long and then we restart. <laughs> so, um, yeah, right now it shouldn't be, you can get in this summer, should be able to. Okay. All right. Great. Thank you very much for your help, Tom. I really appreciate it. Yeah. No worries. Good luck with everything. Okay. All right. I appreciate it. You have a good day. All right. You too. Thanks. Bye. 
All right, the first question comes from Selena Ronkar. Uh, five-star review. Hey, Tom, first of all, I just want to say how much I love your work. I found you on YouTube when I adopted my eight-month-old, or my eight, I adopted my dog eight months ago, and I have learned so much, and I've made so much progress with my dog, uh, my girl, Gracie. My question along the background, Gracie is a one-and-a-half-year-old female, Australian cattle dog, staffy mix. Don't know her background, but when we adopted her, the rescue mentioned that she had been tied up to a tree for the first eight months so of her life. So understandably, she now struggles with leash reactivity and barrier frustration. Out of the excitement and wanting to meet and play with everyone and everything, however, it has been very hard trying to train her to stay neutral in public and learn to ignore or at least look or at least look and be able to move past other dogs. I've been working with some different trainers and we did engagement and disengagement game, which has helped a bit, but also now she's on a 2.25 prong collar, which has made a game changer. However, I guess my my question is, if you guys are asking questions, I have no problem reading six pages, but I don't need it. Just if you guys just want to streamline things, my question is, it would be a great place to start. My question is, when on walks and in public, when we see a trigger, I can get her to look at me and even sit, but immediately she will look back. Sometimes I will try to distract her more and having her sit and shake. Uh, she will do this quickly as she can get back into starting to stare at. She will probably she will stop dead in her tracks and usually lay down so we cannot continue to pass. What do I do about this? Sorry, I'm so long. It's not really long compared to some of the other ones. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so when your dog lies down, you, what a lot of people do is they have this conversation. So they go, come on, let's go. I mean, they turn, they look at the dog. So what's been really helpful for me, and I know will be helpful for you, is get a long line out. And when you're out with your dog and your dog lies down, you start walking away. I would get like a 10 to 15 foot long line. You start popping the collar. And then your dog jumps into position and then you keep going. And that's a great way to, to work on that. I've never had that not work ever. So that's going to help. And then uh, you also have to be realistic with what you want. Um, because from the question that you said is your dog is looking at other dogs. And to me, I don't care if my dog or my client's dogs are looking at other dogs, um, especially if they're just interested in uh, they're being obedient. So Again, with the context that you've given me, um, you're working on engagement. And if when you're working on like a look at me command, that's the same thing as asking your dog to heal. It's It has to do with duration. It has to do with distance. It has to do with distraction. So if you are actually working on the pay attention to me command, you have to realize that that is a very challenging thing to accomplish. If you're doing it outside, if you're doing it around distractions, your dog has to be at that, for that behavior to be successful, your dog has to be at a level three. Your dog has to be Yoda at this. Again, you're asking your dog to look at your face with other dogs present while you're outside with these distractions. To me, it seems like you're not at the point where you can do that successfully, which is why you're failing over and over and over again, and it's very frustrating for you um, because of these reasons. So that's my answer to that. I think that you're probably biting off more than you can chew, and you're thinking like, I'm just asking my dog to look at me when we're outside, and my dog is looking away and disengaging every five seconds. Well, if you don't have a level three look at me, just like if you don't have a level three heel in a very distracted environment, you will fail. So lessen your time up with your dog of how long the duration is and make sure that you master it before you introduce it to these places. But also 
what's, you know, who, like, to me, it's like, I don't care if my dog looks. So you just have to, you know, weigh out your options there as well. So hopefully that helps. Um, Thanks for listening. Next question comes from Girl with Mal, five-star review. Hey, Tom, I've been following you for years, well before I got my first dog, and I'm pretty sure he knows when I'm watching one of your YouTube videos. I have an intact male, Mal, and I have two questions. I'm planning on getting another dog in the near future, and I was wondering when you added dogs to your family if you found it hard to share your love if you only had one dog at the time. I'm sure I'm overthinking this. My question is, my second question, um, the answer to that is um, no, I, I think every dog is different. Just like, you know, kids is you're going to have a different relationship with all of them, but you love them all the same and they all have their different, you know, personalities and why you love them. Um, so, uh, how would you go about living with two intact males? My boy is currently a level three dog and I want to set him up for success. Thank you for sharing your knowledge, uh, to the dog world. Um, well, I think it comes, I mean, if you listen to this podcast for, any extent of time, you'll realize how much having dogs intact matters and how it can change. Um, but it also cannot matter at all. And so it's a very difficult thing to work through, but I would just say you have to make sure that when you're working on, I think the introduction is big and and where you're going to start to find trouble is at that six to eight month mark where the dog actually is going to start to, um, you know, maybe start to challenge or start to get aggressive or possessive or um, whatever it may be. Um, and that's where you have to worry, or I'm sorry, that's where you have to just watch out for things like that. But um, it's really just a waiting game to see how it's going to go. Every dog is different. All their genetics are different. All their personalities are different. All their behaviors are different. All the training is different. Everything is different. So it's hard to say exactly what is going to happen. Um, but my suggestion is, is just structure, leadership, guidance, as you guys are continuing to hear on every single one of my, well, not everyone, but most of my podcast, um, it's, it's insane. Like how many dog owners, you know, have dogs and don't give them the structure, don't give them boundaries, don't give them anything. And then boop, all of a sudden, um, there's problems and it's like, well, you should start off in the beginning. So as long as you start off in the beginning and you start to, you know, do your thing and do it right. Um, I think you'll be, you'll be just fine with, with that. And then, you know, once it, uh, happens in the future, um, you can, you can then, you know, work on it with a trainer and yeah, it's just hard to say like, Hey, you know, again, I guess my question is, or my answer is to be proactive is to start with all the training, do, do the training together, have fun, um, do what you can to be successful. Uh, just make sure that, you know, when you're going through this uh, process that you do everything you can to, um, give the dog the, the boundaries and leadership that it needs to be successful. So anyway, I hope that that helps. Um, yeah, next one, jpass725. We love Tom Davis. Thank you. Just wanted to clear up that you definitely get a five-star review from us. Not sure why it's only showing three stars. Oh, um, yeah. So this is just somebody that accidentally did, a, um, I think, a three-star review, and they didn't mean it, and they didn't know how, and now they fix it. <laughs> I appreciate it. It does. I mean, it. I don't want to say it doesn't matter. 
I understood what you were doing and I didn't take offense to it, but obviously the ratings on our podcast is 99.9% five-star reviews. Um, and so when you leave a three-star review, it does hurt our rating. And if it's sincere, if you give me a one-star review because you don't like it, that's fine. That's, I mean, that's what life is about. But if you love me and you love the podcast and you give us a half uh, rating, it's like, it's only hurting us. So anyway, it's all good. Thank you. We're going to get into another one. Uh, this one I recognize, R River 555 Sorry about my last question. I spelled a couple things wrong, so I have a two-year-old German Shepherd. He is really good dog, but when, it's com- when it comes to food, he is a bit aggressive. He's not bit anyone yet, but he does growl when people get close to him while he's eating. I wish I would have worked on this more around food when... Uh, with him, but he, when he was little, is there anything I could do now? I would say hand feeding is going to be, could be important for you guys. Um, uh, it is hard once the dog is older because they're kind of set in their ways. There's a reason why these things are happening. Um, you have to be mindful and careful about how you're doing these things. Um, it's important for you to go through go through the process safely i think that's the that's the biggest thing um because our you know the dogs that you're working with that have resource guarding issues can obviously you know actually follow through with what they're doing and that's not good so my suggestion from here is to do everything you can to play it safe uh hand feeding the dog is helpful because basically when a dog is resource guarding they're basically like they get a big chunk they get a big chunk of gold and you give it to them and you're like, hey, here's everything you want to take care of in life. And then they're like, well, I don't want anybody near this. I don't want anybody to take this. I don't want anybody, I don't want to share with this. But what you can do is you can start to take that little piece of gold, aka the food, and start to distribute it and smash it into pieces on your terms. And that's going to be really helpful for you to um, get into a into a nice groove with the dog to make sure that you... Um, understand the dog's uh point of view of like hey this is mine don't take it that's natural that's primitive that's primal that's that's normal um so <clears throat> i would just start to really focus on share you are controlling that food and then you're distributing it through structure and constructive obedience sit yep here's your food down yep here's your food stay yep here's your food and you just work on it that way so that way the food is coming from you if you give them that big chunk chunk of gold and say hey this is yours they're going to be possessive of it so start there and then let me know how it helps um yeah so okay cool all right you guys thank you so much for listening and i'll talk to you next time bye